Welcome to Whatever the Case, Stryker's official ASC podcast, which features interviews with leading experts in the ASC space, focused on the clinical, operational, and financial considerations that go into ASC ownership. We hope to bring you valuable perspectives and insights to enhance your understanding of the ASC market. Because whatever the case, we've got you covered. Today, we're discussing how to prepare for spine in the ASC, a surgeon's perspective on knowing when you're ready and what you can do to be successful. We're joined by Dr. James Sanfilippo, a fellowship-trained orthopedic spine surgeon who operates and is part owner of an ASC in New Jersey. Dr. Sanfilippo has over a decade of experience operating in the ASC setting. Welcome, Dr. Sanfilippo. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Dana. I appreciate it. Of course. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, So I am an orthopedic uh, surgeon. I did my orthopedic residency at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia with the Rothman Institute. Uh, I did that from 2003 to 2008. And subsequently after that, I did a fellowship in spine surgery down at Emory University Spine Center from 2008 to 2009. Um, As it relates to this topic, uh, my training did not prepare me at all for outpatient spine surgery. Um, We trained very traditionally, and back uh, in 2009, uh, there was very little outpatient spine being done anywhere. Uh, So I hope today, able to provide a little bit of insight and a little bit of guidance for those trying to transition to the ASC, as I sort of had to do that and and figure that out uh, once I got into private practice. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Um, really looking forward to the conversation today. Um, so spine is one of the fastest growing ASC specialties. There are over 200 ASCs that specialize in spine, up from only about 35 a decade ago. And aside from those who, quote, specialize in spine surgery, there are around 1,000 ASCs who are performing some spine cases. And Drivers of the shift from the hospital to the ASC have, you know, been no surprise. The COVID-19 pandemic, patients not only accepting this side of care, but requesting it, enabling technologies and improved pain management. But ultimately, the decision for where to perform surgery comes down to the physician. So as a surgeon who operates across multiple care settings, and with there being such variation in the complexity of spine cases, how did you know you were ready? So really, I had the uh, privilege of joining a group at a fellowship that had ownership in an ASC. Um, and with that, I, I saw my colleagues, especially on the joint side of things, start to transition patients um, out of the hospital uh, into the ambulatory center. And cases that traditionally would stay overnight two, three nights now were being sent home the same day. And started to wonder, you know, can we do the same thing on the spine side of things? Um, and really started to work with our anesthesiologists and pain control around the perioperative uh, time frame, as well as work with our different techniques and work with our vendors to see if we were able to start to develop pathways, start to develop protocols, start to develop uh, techniques that allowed us to transition those patients safely uh, with good outcomes to an ambulatory setting. And As we were preparing, I really liked how you simplified your practice by saying it's ultimately about three things, an appropriate case, an appropriate patient, and the appropriate side of care. So talk to us about how you determine the appropriate case for an ASC. 
Yeah, so traditionally, um, if you go back over the course of the dec- past decade or so, um, most people that work in an ambulatory center um, really feel comfortable doing laminectomies, uh, microdiscectomies, and even a one-level uh, anterocervical discectomy infusion or cervical disc replacement. Um, but I do believe that uh, there's more to picking the right case than just sticking to those you know, three or four variations. And it really comes down to a couple of different factors. <clears throat> you know, first off is your technique. Um, does your technique support uh, a case that's able to be done in an ambulatory center? If you are a uh, surgeon who does everything traditional open for the lumbar spine, uh, larger incisions, a little bit longer operative time, um, you know, maybe transitioning to an ambulatory center uh, for your lumbar fusions is not appropriate, but maybe for your microdiscectomies it is. So length of time of case is definitely important. Your, you know, uh, surgical technique lends to that as well. Um, But it also becomes um, how you function uh, during the surgery with your vendors, with your implants. Um, Is this something that you are predictable? Do you use similar implants for every case, similar size implants so that your vendors can start to anticipate what needs to be there and sterile? Because one of the things that we need to keep in mind when we're at an ASC is that this is not not a mini hospital. There are limitations around your SPD. There's limitations around your storage uh, in an ASC. So you may not have every instrument available. You may not have every size of implant available. You also don't want to take a case. um, Let's use a transforaminal lumbar interbody fusion, for example. And traditionally, this may be six or seven instrument trays at the hospital. You can't bring six or seven instrument trays to the ASC and expect to do three or four of them in the course of a day. Um, this is really where it's working with, like I said, your process, your procedure, but also working with your vendors to really streamline things and make them as predictable as possible and as um, palatable to the back side of the uh, business in the ASC as possible, meaning your sterile processing and your storage. Really good perspectives and um, certainly considering those maybe less obvious to some issues that could arise. You know, yes, you have the cases. Yes, you feel comfortable as a physician, but can your team handle um, the influx of instrumentation and storage of all of the trays and implants and things of that nature? So really like that perspective. Um, I also know when we discussed the topic, we were talking a lot about messaging as well and ensuring that you are talking with patients early during their visits and really preparing them for this mindset of the outpatient environment and and helping to change their perspective. So if we segue into the appropriate patient, then what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, um, continuing with what you were saying about the messaging, I think that's very important. Uh, We almost started to change our perspective as a group when we saw patients from why should we take this patient to the ASC to now why shouldn't we take the patient to the ASC? Um, And with that, you know, you look at your your patient population. So there's a couple of things that we need to make sure of um, as we transition these cases over as far as the patient, and that is, can we provide a safe environment for the patient? And is the patient safe to be discharged, number one? And number two, do you know, can we guarantee the same outcomes in an ASC that we were seeing in the hospital? 
So when we look at patient safety, you know, that's first and foremost. So patients that have sleep apnea, patients that may be um, obese, uh, it may not be safe to provide anesthesia to those patients um, and then send them home the same day. Patients with pulmonary disease other than sleep apnea or cardiac risk factors, we may not want to send the patient home the same day without monitoring them overnight or for multiple nights, depending, you know, in a controlled medical environment, such as a hospital. In addition to that, some of the things that we don't always think about is perioperative pain management. Um, what we don't want is to send a patient home and have that patient end up in the emergency department that evening. That, that to me, is not an outpatient case at that point. That patient needed to be admitted for pain control. Um, so those are things when we look at our patient population, you know, can we safely provide um, anesthesia? Can we safely uh, send that patient home with perioperative pain management and minimize the risk of that patient bouncing back to the hospital? Um, even with that said, some of this is not an exact science in any way, shape, or form. There's a, a sort of feeling or gestalt that goes into some of this. And I've had some very healthy, young, active patients that just talking to them in the office, I did not get the feeling like they would do well going home the same day after surgery. Um, older patients that maybe had a few minor comorbidities that I knew talking to them in the office, there was no way they were staying over in a hospital. So I might as well bring them to an ASC and could do that safely for them. Uh, so those are some of the things that, that work into this. Um, the, the last point I would want to make here really is around pain control. Um, patients that come in that have been on chronic narcotics uh, for a while, th those are patients that are not going to do well after surgery um, and, and maybe a little bit more challenging to control their pain um, orally or as an outpatient. And those are ones I tend to bring to a hospital setting as well. And I'm sure as you get comfortable doing cases in the ASC and do more and more um, throughout your, your practice, you kind of get a little bit more refined with that approach and um, kind of determine who those appropriate patients are and may be. Um, so finally, you know, after you have the appropriate case, you have the appropriate patient, let's talk about the appropriate side of care. And that could be, you know, hospital inpatient, HOPD. ASC, how are you making that final determination? So I think a lot of my process has been about transitioning, as you just said, from hospital inpatient on one extreme, moving towards the ambulatory uh, same-day outpatient procedure on the other extreme. And at every step of the way there, it really is trying to, number one, capitalize on the first two uh, general topics that we talked about, the right uh, patient and the right case. If you've determined that you have that, then picking the right site of care, number one, should be a little bit more obvious. Um, you know, patients with comorbidities, uh, time-intensive cases or, or instrument-intensive cases, those are going to push you more towards the hospital setting. Um, but I do think it's about minimizing patient's time in a hospital or minimizing patient's time um, under direct observation or care as we move forward. And that also helps to minimize cost as long as it can be done safely. Um, one of the things that I think this brings up is also around um, insurances, um, payers, as well as the business side of medicine. So the one final thing that we sort of look at when we look at bringing patients to an ambulatory setting is, does their insurance support that? 
So as we know, there's some uh, Medicare rules around what could be done as an outpatient versus as uh, an inpatient. So we have to abide by that. Um, also, not every payer pays well to an ambulatory center. So some of these more instrument or implant dependent cases, uh, such as uh, lumbar fusions or cervical fusions that you would want to bring to an ASC thinking that we have the right patient and I've streamlined my procedure to allow me to do so, the insurance may not pay the uh, pay the facility well. If the insurance doesn't pay the facility well, it's a money loser for the facility, and that's not what you want to do. Where the hospital has different negotiated contracts and different negotiated rates, where they're still able to to make money on the business side of things of medicine there. Mm-hmm. And I know Medicare has come a little bit recently um, by reimbursing for different add-on codes for certain procedures, but I know that we still are probably a long ways away from um, being where we should be uh, for reimbursement in the ASC. Yes, I think I think with Medicare, you know, everybody pictures the Medicare patient being the 70-plus-year-old patient that's retired, and that's just not what we see as much anymore. Yes, that's still the majority of Medicare, but not every Medicare patient is is the same today. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, let's wrap up with one final thought from you. And that's really for anyone who has an opportunity to operate in an ASC. What's one last thing they should consider? I think it's the the whole process. I think it's taking it slowly. I think it's choosing cases that you're comfortable with and really practicing those cases uh, in the hospital setting. You know, if just because you can do it at an ASC doesn't mean you need to start out doing it there. You can start doing it as hospital outpatient, making sure you start to feel comfortable that you can send this type of patient and doing this type of procedure home the same day and you're successful doing it before you transition that to the ambulatory center itself. And start out small, start out slow. Uh, but I definitely think, you know, if you've ever thought about taking cases to an ASC, now is the time to start enacting a, a plan to make that make that transition. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Dr. Sanfilippo. Um, it was great to have you. Dana, thank you so much. Dr. James Sanfilippo is a paid consultant of Stryker. His viewpoints expressed in this podcast are his own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Stryker. To learn more about Stryker's ASC business, visit www.stryker.com slash ASC.